Uh, today, uh, we're going to continue your sermon series. Uh, we're going to take another week. We're going to look at uh, create this idea of what this is. Uh, and I want to start our time off together by, uh, we're going to use our imagination. We're going to do something a little bit different. I hope that's okay with you all. Uh, but first, uh, let's take a moment just, uh, just to pray uh, and just to invite God into this time. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, God, you are here and you are with us uh, in this building, God. You are with us uh, in our homes, God. You are with us wherever we are, Lord. And God, we just want to thank you that you are uh, right beside us, God. Father, may uh, this time be a time where uh, you speak. Don't let it be my words, God, but uh, may you speak, God. May your words, uh, your words of scripture jump off the page. May it leap onto our hearts, God, and may it just captivate our minds and our soul, God, as we go into the week. Father, thank you for this day, God, this day that you have made, uh, this day filled with opportunity and with, uh, with hope, God, uh, a day that, uh, God, you can present yourself and we can listen and we can see you. Father, uh, just be with us today, wherever we go and throughout this week, God. I ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, amen. Uh, so this morning I want to start, again, uh, with an experiment doing uh, something. We're going to use our imagination. So if you want to close your eyes, if that helps you imagine, uh, go for it. Just don't fall asleep, please. Uh, if you want to keep your eyes open, absolutely go for it. So I want you to imagine yourself in a world. You wake up today or you wake up the next day. Imagine yourself in a world where Scripture is not a thing, where the Bible is not Around. It's not commonly carried on our phones. It's not preached on Sunday. The church is not a thing. Christianity is simply not around. Our world still looks and functions like, like it does, like it is now. But instead of Sunday at church, perhaps you're doing brunches or perhaps you're uh, off seeking other things in your life. And I want you to imagine yourself uh, kind of as an explorer uh, or uh, Wherever you are, just one day you stumble across this leather-bound book. Uh, on the front of it, it says the Bible. And you have no idea what this book is. You don't know uh, what you are picking up. But as you bend down and as you pick it up, uh, you begin to feel something within you say, Oh, this is special. This is important. Uh, and so you open it and you look at it and you discover that uh, it is torn to shreds, it's been burned, it's been ripped up, and you cannot make out anything uh, from within except for one sentence. And you open it up and it reads, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's it. That's all that this book has to say. That's all that you know and can make out and understand. And you have no idea what you are reading. You have no idea what you have just read and understood. But you learn something from just that one sentence. You learn that there is a God that creates. That this God of the Bible creates and not only, does, uh, cre not only creates, but has a been around since the beginning of time and created the heavens and the earth. This is a God that creates. Now, let's continue along in our little uh, experiment, our imagination here. Uh, and as you begin to wrestle with this and you wonder, what in the world this could possibly mean, uh, you manage to find another Bible that's complete, that hasn't been torn, and that has the whole entire first chapter uh, uh, completed and fulfilled. 
And you begin to read and you begin to, to, to venture and your curiosity takes over and you can feel compelled by something deep down to dig for more and more answers for uh, a truth and understand what this Bible is and uh, who the God is within the pages. And so you read that this God that created in verse 1 continues to create. The heavens and the earth, day and night, light to separate from darkness, water and dry land, fish, animals, birds, plants, vegetation, and all of this was marked as good. Finally, you continue to read and you discover God's greatest creation. In verse 26, is us, humanity. In verse 26, uh, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, uh, it says, uh, God says, let us make humanity after our image, after our likeness. So God created humanity after God's own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And he called them very good. You may sit there, you, you continue to sit there with millions of questions as you're wrestling with this. What have I just read? What does this mean? And so you venture off into scripture. You venture off to the Bible and you discover that you still, there's a lot of things that you're uncertain about, but you know one thing is for sure. That this God creates and loves to create. And so we're going to examine uh, what this means this morning and how this gift has been passed on to us as well. Uh, and so now, uh, you might be wondering why would we start off our, our time together this way? Uh, and the reason that I wanted to start off was because uh, I'm imagining that most of you have similar experiences to, to, to my story and my kind of walk with God. I was born into a Christian home, into a Christian family. My dad was and still is a pastor currently. And so my earliest memories of life consist of attending youth events on Friday and going to evening worship services. And so there was not this moment for me where I discovered God because God was always in my home. God was always in my life. And this discovery of, oh, who's this God, never existed in my life. And I'm guessing that there are some here who that is uh, similar with you and resonates with you. However, I'm guessing there is also perhaps a percentage here who uh, grew up in a home where the Bible was not taught, where God was not worshipped, and the church was either something you were forced to attend or perhaps were afraid to attend. And so if this is the case, perhaps you can relate best with of what it's like to look at God, a God who creates with fresh eyes. And I think sometimes as Christians, uh, we know God, but we perhaps forget God. Or not much as much we forget God, but there are just so many attributes, so many things that we go, our God's this, our God is this, our God loves, our God is just, our God is gracious. That sometimes we forget that the very first thing that Scripture uh, describes God as is a God who creates. And in Genesis, it is the very first thing that we read about God. Uh, and throughout Scripture, there are many other moments and instances where uh, God is described as a God who creates and who loves to create. Isaiah 64, 8 is one of those places, uh, and we're going to bounce around to a couple different passages, so uh, if you would like to turn there, uh, go for it. Uh, Isaiah 64, 8 describes God as a certain type of creator, uh, as a potter. Now, I, I love audience participation. Is anyone here a potter by chance? Has anyone here done pottery during date night? Yes. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Uh, is pottery easy, Brett? No, it's not. 
No, it is not. Uh, in, uh, in my life, uh, I like to be good at things, uh, and pottery is one of those things that I'm not very good at. Uh, I've had two instances in my life where I've gotten to do pottery, and I would encourage you all to go do pottery. It's, it's challenging, but it's quite fun. Uh, the first time that I did pottery, uh, we went as a youth group, uh, and I wanted to do something simple. I wanted to do something where uh, I could show off kind of to my family and to my friends that I made that thing. Uh, and so we go to our pastor's house at the time, who uh, he had a room in his house that was dedicated towards pottery, uh, and he uh, was a great potter and made many uh, beautiful and wonderful things and many things that uh, we st I still have in my home today. Uh, and so I wanted to go and make a, cr a simple bowl to create something that I could use and my family could use. Uh, and uh, I was nervous. I was scared to use the wheel. I threw the clay on. I wasn't very good at that. I tried to shape it. I used too much water. Tried to shape it again. Didn't use enough water. Uh, I, I was pretty frustrated with the whole experience of creating something from clay. Uh, and yet the pastor there reassured me. He taught me, he taught all of us of how best to do, to do uh, <laughs> to what we were trying to create. And finally, I had made something that I was proud of, and as I went to take it off the wheel, I took the wire, and I slid it underneath, and I pulled up on the wire too soon, and I left myself with a holy bowl, <laughs> which is not typically something you want in a bowl. You don't want there to be holes and leaks, and I was pretty upset. I was devastated because I'd spent all of this time, all of this effort creating something only for it to turn out leaky. And so the pastor reassured me that it was all okay, that he himself makes mistakes. Uh, and the next year, we went a youth, a youth retreat, a youth event again. We did pottery, and I was determined to create something spectacular that would not leak this time. And so as I created, I thought, hey, I can up the ante and I can make a little bit of a, a cup with a lip. Uh, and, but, but my one goal was not to create a hole in the bottom of my piece. And so I have here today with me my piece of pottery that, uh, that I've kept around for seven or eight years now. Uh, and uh, it doesn't have a hole in it. But it leans to the right, it buckles under certain spots, there's way too much clay on top, but I didn't put a hole in it. And that was the aim of the game, and that was my intention, was to create something that I could use. Uh, even though today it lives in a cupboard, and I honestly forgot I had it until this week. Uh, in verse 8 of Isaiah, we read that we are like this clay. That in our life, in our lives there are times that we become pieces of pottery. Sometimes we're holy and we leak. Sometimes we buckle under the weight uh, of the heavy clay on us and we become weak. Sometimes we collapse and are in need of a fresh start and need to be redone. Sometimes we have the appearance of having everything all together uh, when really there is a deep crack running through our foundation. Sometimes we get chipped by words, actions, and decisions uh, that we make or that other people make for us. Sometimes we lose our paint or the one thing that makes us feel special and important into the, in the world. Isaiah, during uh, his, his day, this prophet says this to his people and is saying to us today that we are like clay. We are like dust in our need of being cared for and shaped by the one who has plenty of experience creating. 
Hear these words from Isaiah as he says, But now, O Lord, you are our father, and we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. In this verse here, Isaiah establishes something right off the bat. First, he acknowledges that the Lord is our Father. He makes the power dynamic very clear of our relationship with God. We are not lords. We are not God. We are not the one in control, but the Father is the one who is actually in control. Secondly, he is uh, equating each of us to that of clay, of derp, uh, to uh, a heap uh, of, of of gray lumps that uh, are prepared and shaped and ready to be molded by the Father. And clay in my mind has never been something that I'm like, oh, that piece of clay is really impressive. It's just a blob there. I think it's like rocks and minerals. But when you actually look at the compound, the minerals that make up clay, here's some things that you'll find. You'll find silica, you'll find alumina, magnesia, water. You'll find other things like iron, potassium, sodium, and calcium within clay. Something that I once thought of as really simple, really basic, you could go out into the woods and find it, is actually something that is incredibly complex and is intentionally created and and used by God and by potters to create something beautiful, to create wonderful pieces of pottery that don't leak. When we stop to think about what we're being called by Isaiah, when we are referred to as clay, Isaiah is essentially calling us dirt and water and rock. but a very complex and intentionally made version of dirt and clay and rock. And uh, if you're familiar with Genesis, with how Adam, the creation of humanity, was, uh, was brought up, what did God do? He breathed into dust and made humanity. And in Genesis 3.9, we read that uh, when we die, we will return to dust once again. And so in the process of pottery... If we are clay, what is the role of clay in pottery? Well, if left unattended, the clay doesn't miraculously transform itself into something, doesn't shape itself. Instead, it just remains all that it knows to be, which is clay. Uh, And yet, there is potential within that clay, within that uh, lump of of rock, that God uses and is excited to use, and and as he's filled with joy, as he wants to sculpt us, and sculpt uh, us into pieces that are marvelous with his very own hands. Again, in Isaiah, we read that we are the work of the potter's hand, the work of the Father's will. And so here we get two meanings. Uh, First, what is being said is that uh, God is working us into whatever he wants us to be. Some of us, uh, you may be bowls over here, and we may have cups over here, and this may be my vase section, and uh, online you could be our our plates and our pieces that are uh, distributed in museums. But we will each be shaped uh, and worked into something that is carefully looked after, carefully molded for a purpose. Each of us is loved and brings joy to the Father as he takes us from dust to a product that he then can use for his will. First, we are the work of the Father, and then we do the work of the Father. Again, first we are the work of the Father, and then we do the work of the Father. Uh, my Vaz people over here, uh, if, uh, as God created you, uh, he created you with the purpose of holding water, holding oil, tea, flowers, whatever uh, God has in store uh, to use uh, you as a vase. Once completed, 
uh, after God has shaped and molded you into each of your own specific uh, shapes and forms, uh, God uses you for his purpose, to hold flowers, to hold water that will go to serve others, uh, to just simply sit there on dining room tables and to reveal God's beauty. We are created by God, and then God turns around and uses us to reach out to others, to reach out to the world, to fill other people's cups when it's empty, and just to share the potter with uh, those who do not yet know the potter's love. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 14. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this or have it it memorized. Uh, Here in Psalm 139, we read something similar to what Isaiah says. It says, For you... Formed my inward parts. Uh, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Here we read from the psalmist that we are formed, we are created, we are knit together in the wombs of our mother by God, by the Creator. Before we are known to the world, before we are revealed even to our parents, We are already being formed and shaped into men and women that God calls us to be. Think about that for a moment. Before you were born, God already loved you and already knew you and was already taking care of you. Already establishing things within you that you would need in your life to go on and to do the work of God's kingdom. I and and you, each person, uh, was formed with intentional gifts, skills, and character traits Uh, by God's very own hand. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Wonderful are your works. And again, wonderful are your works. Who are his works? We are his works. We are wonderful, and God creates us to be wonderful, and nothing short of that. Our God is a God who creates. Our God is a God who loves to create. I'm sure uh, those of you who are parents or grandparents or uh, aunts and uncles uh, can resonate with this feeling of the joy that it is to to be a parent. The joy that it is to create something that you love so dearly. To create children, to create many versions of yourself. It causes you to celebrate and to be joyful and to praise uh, praise God. And this feeling becomes infectious and you want to go out to the world and you want to share it. Look at my creation. Look at this thing that I love so much. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it amazing? Our Heavenly Father feels the exact same way about each and every one of us. As he forms us, he knits us together. We are made in God's image, remembering back to the words of Genesis 1.26, and are deemed wonderful because God's hands have formed us. We are part of his great work, and we are his greatest work. Uh, And now some of you may be thinking, I'm not that great, I'm not that special, I'm not that unique, I'm not marvelous. Or perhaps you might be thinking, I can think of some other people who aren't that great, who aren't that special, who aren't that marvelous. Uh, God must have made a mistake. God must have uh, done half of the work and then went, that's close enough, ship them off. But God doesn't make mistakes. When God creates, God creates perfect things perfect people, perfect uh, creations. And if you don't believe this, uh, turn to John 2, when we read of Jesus in his first miracle count. 
John 2 is the story of the wedding of Cana, uh, where, where they have run out of wine, uh, and Mary turns to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, my son, can you help us out? And Jesus goes, Yes, Mary, I'm honoring you. Uh, let's create something. Let's create wine out of water. Uh, and if you read that story, which I'd encourage you to, to go on today and to, to read that story again for yourself, you will notice that it's not any kind of wine but it's described as the good wine. It's described as the best wine and was served last. Uh, and if you're familiar with uh, traditions uh, of, uh, that, that of, the, uh, of weddings during Jesus' day, you'll be, you, you perhaps will know that uh, the best wine was served first at a wedding celebration. And celebrations would normally last uh, not just hours like they do today, but would last days and weeks uh, and would go on and the party would not stop uh, for a very long time. The good wine would be served first. It would be served within the first uh, couple of hours or days, depending on uh, how much uh, of it they had. And then after a couple of days, when everyone's palate was perhaps not as refined as it once had been, the cheaper wine is then poured out uh, and served uh, to the guests. Yet in John 2, we read that uh, the wine that Jesus created was the best wine that they had had. It was the best wine that any of them had consumed. Uh, Jesus was going, okay, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to go halfway here. I'm not just going to create uh, the cheapest wine, the, the wine that kind of just has the color uh, of, of, of a pink, pinky kind of color, but I'm going to create the best wine here. And he doesn't do this in an arrogant way, but he humbly honors his mother and says, yes, mom, I will do this for you. And he creates the best wine that they have ever had uh, and redeems the bride and groom who ran out of wine. God does not go halfway when he creates. Our God is a creative, a creative God and takes pride in his creation. He loves to create and has been doing it since the beginning of time. Continues to do so day after day. Uh, and we have been given this gift, we've been given this passion to create. We've been given a gift and, a, and have been blessed by God, even in moments when we don't recognize that we have been. Uh, in our day-to-day -day lives, we create and sometimes don't even realize that we are doing so. If you're a painter or a potter, uh, it's pretty clear that you're painting or you're uh, creating something. But construction workers create homes. Chefs create food and meals. Musicians like our team today create joyful noise and music. Besides physical creations, there, there is emotional bonds that are made with other people, animals, sports teams, and the list could go on. We create memories uh, and store moments in our minds uh, where we uh, remember moments of sorrow, moments of grief, moments of joy, moments of, uh, of happiness, moments where we bend the rules and have all the adrenaline kick in and have to perhaps run away. <laughs> but this gift of creating uh, is a gift that God loves sharing with us. And it's one of the first things that God commands us, that God tells us to do in Genesis. We hear God say to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. What is God saying here but basically saying, go, create. Create others made in the image of God. Create others uh, that I love, others that I will care for. Create systems for yourself. Create lives for yourselves uh, that are honoring to me, that direct others back to me. 
And we do this in our lives, and we can continue to do this in our lives, and all that we have been given and all that we, the gifts that we have. Painters can create pieces that direct others towards God. Musicians, again, create noises that uh, fill the room and point praise back to God. Even uh, simple things like creating, well, I say simple, it's not simple at all, but creating hearts and lifestyles that radiate Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit to the world. However, there is moments in our lives where we put ourselves at the potter's wheel. We try to take control, take, take control of the clay, form uh, our own desires, form our own intentions, uh, and, and go out into the world saying, I'm going to do this on my own. Uh, I can do this without God this time. I'm going to go determine what my purpose is, what our shape will be, what product we become. But when we do this, what ends up happening? Well, we end up looking like my two attempts at pottery. Leaky, wonky, to the side, not very good. We end up with holes in our bottom, places that buckle under the weight, cracks and flaws in our foundation. We end up looking ugly and nowhere close to the potential that we could have looked like if we would just let the ultimate creator take control of the wheel. Uh, instead of looking like my two attempts at pottery, we could end up looking like the prized possession of each and every museum. And this gift is one that can be a simple thing. It can be a small process. It can be uh, something that makes us excited that we then turn around and go share with others. It can be bragging about your children. It can be bragging about your pottery. It can be whatever it is that God has inspired you and already shaped and formed and molded in your life. Uh, it can be something as simple as going to the mountains and seeing God's creation there, or driving through the fields uh, of Alberta and seeing God's creation there, or staying right where you are in the city and talking with the, with the person beside you. The person beside you, if you turn and look at the, those nearby, that person is God's handiwork. That person is marvelous. That person is God's greatest creation. And you too are God's greatest creation. Uh, and God can take the moments when we step off, the moments when we put ourselves on the wheel, when we make uh, wonky pieces of pottery <laughs> with our own lives, and can correct the shape, can correct our form, and can help us get back to the point that God originally intended for us to be the prized possession in his collection. And this is the power of the Lord and the power that God possesses. As I close here, I want you to recall the activity that we started doing at the beginning of our time. When I asked you to imagine a world without scripture, without the knowledge of God, without churches or Christians. For some of us, this may seem rather bizarre. Um, However, the truth in this story, in this uh, imaginative scenario, is that uh, there are places on this world where this isn't just an imaginative scenario. There are places in our world where people don't know about God, where people don't have access to the word of God, where they are persecuted uh, <laughs> for their faith, or perhaps they can't even access scripture in their native tongue. To add on to that, there are people in our world who do know that the Bible exists, that the Bible is, 
this holy book. There are people who do know that there is a God out there and that there are people who dedicate their lives to being followers of Christ. But they don't know about what is in the book or they don't know about the truth uh, of God or about who the Son of God is. They don't know that they are God's marvelous uh, handiwork, that they are God's creation and that they are so loved. And as I think about this and I ponder this, I recognize that my life, my life as a Christian, my life as a follower of God continues. And that there is work to be done uh, for God's will and for God's kingdom. And that I uh, have been shaped and molded and uh, God has constructed me in such a fashion where I can go out and share to others that they also have been created and formed and shaped and that God loves them. And that there is work to be done uh, the work of the Father still needs to be accomplished in the world. And what better way than doing this by sharing one of our gifts that God has given us? By creating something using our creativity, uh, God's creativity, to love the world. Uh, using our lives for the reason that God has shaped and formed us before we were even known. Whether this looks like us being, pouring ourselves out for others or us holding something uh, for someone else. God has created each and every one of you and each and every one of us with a purpose and out of love. Uh, we should be excited and we should, be able to, and we should uh, go out into the world and praise God for this good news. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, God, you are the creator of the world. You created everything that we can see, God. You can create everything that we understand, Lord. That blows my mind. God, you have created some fantastic things, God. Lord, thank you for all that you've done, God, and all that you were doing, God, even when we don't understand it. Thank you for your word, God, and for uh, just uh, each of us having the privilege, God, of knowing what is in your scripture, God, knowing the truth and the good news of your son, Lord. Father, thank you for uh, those those of us that are here, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for Renfrew, God, and for Daybreak and the work that they are doing, God, uh, within their church, God, and in their community, God, uh, and uh, striving to do your work and your will. Uh, Father, bless them, and bless each and every uh, person who hears this, Lord, and those who don't hear this, God. Father, may you uh, put in, inside them a creator's heart, God, and a heart after yours, a heart that is filled and passionate uh, of, of sharing your gifts to the world, to sharing your gifts to the lumps of clay that are in need of being formed by you, God. Amend any cracks in our lives, uh, any chips in our foundations, God, and any holes that we have. And transform us, God, shape us and mold us into uh, the types of people that you want us to be and that you create us to be. Father, we ask this in all of your holy and powerful name, God. Amen. Uh, as you go out here, uh, I'll just conclude with a uh, benediction. Uh, one of my favorite benedictions uh, comes from uh, Aaron uh, in Numbers 6, and it says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord give you peace. Go in peace this week.